situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Me. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Could have done without that. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win. So Craig Council is looking to reset the market when it comes to MLB manager salaries. I think a lot of us would agree that managers in baseball are grossly underpaid, but it has come in coordinates with basically their testicles and every bit of their fortitude taken away from them. Their job and their responsibility, everything that we as the fans ignorantly believe that they have control over, they don't. And that's been a talking point at a PBS for the past several years. But at some point, you want to be able to rate a manager and be able to have them, I don't know, make salaries annually somewhat in correspondence than what the managers of Christmas past have been making. Now, Craig Council may not be the example. He may have the opportunity to be the poster child for the need for increase in Major League Baseball managerial salaries, but you could ask many who have been in the game for years, the Dusty Bakers, the Joe Maddens, the managers that have basically spent a lot of time on that dugout, in that room, and earlier on in their career, certainly more than towards the end, had a big say in whether the team won or lost. Now you look in, you have the outfielder, the manager goes out there, points to him, says, hey, take a couple steps to the right. He pulls the card out of his pocket. He says, the card says I'm here. Who the hell are you? And that's basically your average major league manager right now. So when you're trying to judge which one should be in a better demand, who should you go out there and get? Craig Council, who has let out of his contract. His contract expired with the Milwaukee Brewers. So because of that, he's essentially a free agent. And you don't see too many free agent managers that weren't let go from their job. The Brewers want him back. Craig Council saying, hey, I'm going to come back, but I want to at least make X amount of dollars. And Bob Nightingale reported that probably about it, maybe a month ago, less you know, there's six managers making less than a million dollars a year. And for John Q. Public, you know, your average everyday working man and woman, that sounds like a lot of money. But the average Major League Baseball player salary is 800000 So if you get in a game or two, you get the prorated portion of 800000 a year. If you sit on the bench or at a 12th or 13th pitcher on a given staff, but you're lucky enough to be on a roster the entire season, you make 800000 So you're talking about, I don't know, like I said, what is the role of the Major League Baseball manager? You tell me, because there's plenty of archives at a PBS that have gone out there and tried to tell you that it's more of a guidance counselor. It's less the day-to-day -day operations. It doesn't have as much to do with when to take a pitcher out when you say it does. They don't write the lineups. They don't do the defensive alignment. They don't even align which pitchers are going to come in in a given day. You're told that all before. Hey, arm strength, health. Should you pitch this guy on two days rest? That's all determined by people that are not the Major League Baseball manager. So those would be talking points to actually justify the fact that salaries in Major League Baseball when it comes to the managers are low. 
So now, you got a guy in Craig Council, five playoff appearances in the past six years, one of whom happened to be a losing season, 29-31 and 31 in a shortened 2020-60 game season. Now, if he is going to reset the market for Major League Baseball manager, is it is it really justified? You want a guy that, yeah, can get you to the playoffs, albeit a Milwaukee Brewer team that doesn't have the ability to go all in. But you want to talk about teams that go all in. Look at the last several World Series championships. You, you want to tell me the Texas Rangers didn't go all in? Last two off-seasons, trading deadline this past year, World Series champions. The World Series champions, Astros of 2022. Seem like they've been pretty all-in over the last couple of years. The Atlanta Braves of 2021 have built a good young team, but what have they done? They've extended every friggin' player that's gone up and played a game in the major leagues. So you go to 2020, the Dodgers. They've been a poster child for being all-in. One of the highest payrolls in baseball over the past 10-plus seasons. 2019, Washington Nationals were all-in up until their big fire sale in the trading deadline of 2021. But prior to that, they were all-in. 2018 Red Sox, any team run by David Dombrowski, including the Philadelphia Phillies right now, are considered to be all in. So teams that are winning a World Series, and I know you want to say Yankees, Mets, Padres, teams like that that have spent a lot of money, mainly in the Mets, haven't won. But teams that are winning a World Series seem to have that foot on the throttle in regards to going all in. Craig Council, he gets a pass. You say that. Hypothetically, if he was put in a dugout of a team like the New York Mets or a team that was considered to be all in, the results would be better. How do you know that? I guess that's point number one. Point number two, Major League Baseball manager salaries have gone down for a reason. So I'm a little ambivalent when it comes to the point, should Major League Baseball managers be making more? I got four different echelons when it comes to Major League Baseball managers. And like I said, a lot of this is subjective. A lot of this is an opinion of yours against mine because what are we really judging a Major League Baseball manager by? What are they physically doing? And you could ask Joe Madden. Joe Madden will back this point up 100%. How much of an influence do they have over the game right now as opposed to 10 years ago? Obviously as opposed to 20 years ago. And you go 30 or more years ago when you were actually hiring a Major League Baseball manager because you physically we're giving them the keys to control everything from the players down to what happened on the field. And if they didn't get the job done, that's why their asses were fired. Now, you're not really getting that. So does that really justify the salaries that the manager wants as opposed to what they're getting? Should it be less than a million a year? No, because the players, like I said, the 25th and 26th guy on your roster is getting paid eight hundred thousand a season. Their sh- manager should not be making around that same. There sh- it should be a bump, maybe two million, three million. You want to jump it up to let's say what Joe Torre was making with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay, you know maybe that there's an extravagant place. You know, Dave Roberts, Brian Snicker, Alex Cora, Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, obviously, because of his four World Series championships now. Cora, Snicker, and Roberts all. World Series winning managers, but I would consider them the best in the game, and they probably should be at the upper echelon when it talks when it, when we talk about how much they're getting paid. Craig Council will get a raise, whether it's from Milwaukee, whether he takes the money from the Mets, whether he decides to go to Houston, where maybe there's the combination of him getting more money and him going to a place where maybe he feels more comfortable. I don't know. 
but I, I look at this and I, I I don't know if I really believe that Major League Baseball manager should get a raise. What say you? I had to talk about this because I thought this was very important. And you look at George Pickens, receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously, we live in the age of social media. And you know, Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, talked about you know tweeters and thirty-year-old bloggers uh, having a little bit to do with his decision to walk away and not manage another Major League Baseball game. But obviously, everybody has Twitter and social media at their fingertips. The ability to just keep keep up with what's going on, but also the ability to throw your own opinion in there. And I think. That includes the players. George Pickett's not happy. He wants the ball. Keyshawn Johnson wanted the ball, you know, 20-plus years ago. Randy Moss wanted the ball. The best receivers in the game want the ball, but you're looking at what has happened over the past decade or two with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm not putting it on Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's arguably a top-five coach in the NFL right now. Stability. He's been able to hold that job. Steelers want nobody else to run that squad. I like Mike Tomlin as a coach. I don't think this has anything to do with Mike Tomlin, but if you go back in the history, uh, recent history, Antonio Brown stands out. You know, you, the days of Heinz Ward being, you know, just a guy that goes out there, catches the ball, donates to charity, and contributes to his team winning, that's not the protocol for Pittsburgh Steeler wide receivers. Starting, of course, with Antonio Brown. Prior to that, Santonio Holmes. Chase Claypool last year kind of causing a problem, and he seemed to be a problem after that with the Bears, and he ain't getting no PT with the Miami Dolphins. There's a little bit of that diva type of mentality that not only do wide receivers in the NFL have, but particularly with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I named some guys, Brown, Holmes, Claypool, Pickens, Plaxico Burris, Mike Wallace, Martavius Bryant. Kind of a little more about me than about how am I going to help this football team. Is that a problem with the particular squad? I don't know. Because if you were to subscribe to that, then maybe there is some blame to go towards Mike Tomlin. I don't believe it. But I also don't believe it's a coincidence that all these receivers that we consider divas, we consider to be more about them than actually just letting what happens happens and be the consummate team player. I don't think it's a coincidence that they're all playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Today is the fourth day of November 2023. And the reason I bring this up because it's time for the Saving Sports History segment of the Past Ball Show. Everything I'm about to go over happened on this day in sports history November the 4th. We're going to go back to the year of 1889. There was a league in Major League Baseball, and it became a major league called the Players League. The players, at that time, it had enough of the control that the owners had. They wanted to develop their own league where there would be higher salaries, where players were better taken care of and treated less as possessions and more as employees and valuable assets. Players League started 1889, unfortunately, only lasted one season. 1934, we go back in history of the National Football League, and I want to talk for a second about the Detroit Lions. At that time, they had a pretty steady defense. 
seven straight shutouts to start the season. Finally give up their first points of the year. 40-7 to victory. Give up their first touchdown. But imagine that, going seven games in a row to start a season without getting up a single point. Jump in a DeLorean, crank it up to 88 miles an hour, go up to 1973. And we're going to talk about Stan Makita, one of the greatest players in the National Hockey League. Certainly, I think, the best ever to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Gets his 1,000th NHL point. Same, uh, actually, we're jumping to 1976 now, just three years later. And as we're sitting here in the Major League Baseball offseason, getting ready for free agency to do its thing with the World Series being over, 1976 was the first time that really had to happen. You you actually grabbed your wish list. And I, I'm sure a lot of fans at that time didn't realize what was about to happen. But you had free agents by the names of Reggie Jackson, Joe Rudy, Don Gullett, Gene Tennis, Raleigh Fingers, Don Baylor, Bobby Gritch, Willie McCovey, etc. All of those players would switch teams in the offseason. So if you were a team, you're like, hey, you know, maybe my squad's got a chance to pick up one of these guys. Kind of what you're thinking in the year of 2023, but this is when it was done for the first time. 1976, this day, free agency opened. 1980, in my opinion, the greatest home run hitter in the history of Major League Baseball. Barry Bonds is up there, but I don't think he was as dominant of a home run hitter as Sadahara O. He announced his retirement on this day in 1980. 1987, the National Basketball Association makes a decision to expand by four teams. Two teams were to be added for the 1988 season, one in Charlotte, one in Miami. Two additional teams added for the 1989 season in Minnesota and Orlando, respectively. Exactly one year after that, the Charlotte Hornets played their first home game. And a year after that, the Orlando Magic would play in their first home game. 2001, Luis Gonzalez hits a blooper off Mariano Rivera in the seventh game of the World Series in the bottom of the ninth, leading the Arizona Diamondbacks to their first World Series championship. Exactly eight years later, the Yankees, who lost that game, ended up winning their next World Series championship in the last one that they won, four games to two by clinching game six over the Philadelphia Phillies. Born on this day, Bobby Wallace. And you say, who the hell is Bobby Wallace? He was born on 1873. A good shortstop at a time where the shortstop position was valued and not so much offensive-oriented. He would play 25 years in the major leagues, would manage for another handful of seasons. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1930, MVP of the 1960 season. And the, uh, I don't know, one of the horses that led the Pittsburgh Pirates to that World Series championship victory over the Yankees. Dick Grote was born on this day. Eric Karros, Rookie of the Year, 1992, with the Dodgers, was born on this day in 1967. And Hall of Fame offensive lineman, offensive tackle with the Rams, Orlando Pace, was born on this day in 1975. 1950, we lost one of the greats to ever throw a baseball, and that's Grover Cleveland Pete Alexander passed away on this day in 1950. Hall of Fame pitcher, known for his performance in a 1926 World Series, helping the, at the time, St. Louis Cardinals beat the New York Yankees for their first World Series championship. 
He threw a complete game in Game 6 to help the Cardinals win. Came back in relief in Game 7 and pitched the end of the game to help them get their first World Series championship. Cy Young also died on this day, 1955, just five years later. The guy, obviously synonymous with the name of the award for the best pitcher, won 511 games in the major leagues. We lost him in 1955. And George Anderson, known affectionately as Sparky, three-time World Series winning manager, passed away on this day in 2010. Obviously, 75-76 World Series champion manager of the Cincinnati Reds, 1984 Detroit Tigers, passed away on this day, like I said, of in 2010. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you want to hear me continue to flap my yap mouth, you can check out the podcast, Passball Show, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music videos on YouTube. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I was supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at